What's going on, thinkers? Welcome back to Thoughts by the VLDI. Today, we have a return guest. If you remember, if you think back, you've been hanging around along, you remember I brought Rocky on. And Rocky told us about some experiences from his childhood, from being um, put in different institutions and so on and so forth, from uh, uh, basically, I guess, you what you call the troubled youth. And now I wanted to give him a chance to come back and tell us about his ventures that he's got going on now because I've been watching the boy on the gram and he going crazy he out there. He on the beach. He got his toes out. He got his toes in the sand. Looks like he's living a good life out here in these streets. Rocky, how you doing today, sir? Bless, bless, my brother. Thank you so much for having me back on your show, man. No problem, man. You always welcome here at Thoughts by DeVille, D.I. So um, for the people that may have missed the show, now, if you've missed the show, Go back, you know, just search. If you search his name, if you go through there, you will see my boy Rocky on there and listen to that first episode. But we're going to shortly do, do a short little intro for the people who do, don't know to get you up to speed. So tell them a little bit about yourself and, and where you're from and how you came up and so on and so forth. For sure, for sure. So, uh, yeah, once again, my name is Rocky Sancandola. I'm 34 years old. I'm currently living on the west side of L.A., actually just moved into my new place, my new home today on the west side near Beverly Hills, uh, where my showroom is. Um, the beginning ages and stages of my life um, kind of were pretty crazy. I got myself in a lot of things. My family's from India. Uh, they quickly you know, moved to the U.S. and then moved us away from all other family down south to Mississippi. Um, down there, I kind of started getting into like, you know, crowd of friends and doing this and that, uh, bumping heads with my father. Um, so, you know, between 12 and 17, I was sent around to over nine different facilities, boot camps, military schools, state schools, um, and different institutions around the world. Um, you know, some of them have been closed to, for child abuse, rape, torture, among other things. Um, you know, a lot of light has been set, shed on those schools recently due to Paris Hilton and her new documentary. Um, but fast forwarding through that, after I got graduated high school at 17 from these boot camps, I started college right away. And I was basically like a grown man at 17. You couldn't tell me anything. I had no respect for authority, no nothing not even no respect for myself. I just uh, dove headfirst into drugs, violence, selling drugs, partying, women, you know, doing drugs, all kind of stuff. Um, you know, that, that only lasted a short couple of years until I found myself in Alabama state prison for, um, you know, distribution of cocaine, um, you know, big boy charge. And that kind of took the next six to seven years of my life. But, but that really didn't change me much either. When I got out of prison, I kind of jumped back right into the same thing, you know, uh, I thought I was being smart this time and up my, up my hustle and my game to something that was easier to move, you know. Um, anyway, you know, I was doing that for a while. And eventually one day uh, in 2013, I had the opportunity from my dad, you know, that said, you know, you don't live at home no more. Your prison stuff is done. You got your face almost half ripped off and almost killed. And you got your teeth back now. You've made it through all this. Why don't you just leave and get out of the way for a while? And usually I say no to him automatically, but something mm -hmm. just came into my heart, an outside energy, man. And I was just like, you know what? Let me give it a shot. So I left behind the girlfriends, the cars, the house, literally everything, music, TV, everyone I knew 
went to India and started a clean life and started over. And there's a lot of details in there, but basically that was six, seven years ago now. And there's been a lot of ups and downs since then. Uh, but that first initial just breaking my ties with my identity and uh, this dope boy, playboy, party animal, um, you know, got the house, got the cars, met the club on the weekends, just that whole persona that I thought that that's who I was. And I was actually in a very maybe a sleep sense kind of quote unquote happy with mm-hmm. that lifestyle. I didn't really know there was anything different or better out there. Obviously I have, you know, family and friends that are professionals and this and that, but for some reason that didn't click with me. I just thought that this is who I am. This is what I'm going to be. And this is what my life is about. Um, taking that step away from everything and just kind of reconnecting with myself in India really gave me an opportunity to realize that, you know, man, like there's so much potential that I have and no matter what I've been through, you know, from, from drugs and violence to prison to, to women relationships and, and this and that, um, I and we can overcome all of that. Um, and that's uh, where I am today. You know, I'm blessed to be sitting here on the West side, Beverly Hills, running a successful business. I've opened up two or three more companies, everything from, you know, getting into real estate and, um, you know, heavily active in trading and, and, and Bitcoining and stuff like that as well. Um, so, yeah, man, it's just continuous progress from here. Um, I really don't feel like I've reached any kind of quote unquote success level. Um, the one thing that I do attribute to like, or not attribute, correlate with my feeling of success and, and seeming like I'm successful is the fact that nowadays I'm, I'm happier, I'm chiller. Like I used to be that person you drive by and cut me off in traffic and we're going to go at it, we're going to race, we're going to fight, we're going to throw things at each other. Now it's kind of like I just wave and smile and just like, you know, go ahead. And um, it's not to say that I'm passive. I just, um, I don't, I've realized that my energy is better spent, you know, on other things versus, you know, getting upset and things like that. And until going through all that to realize that at the end of the day, whatever anybody else does, um, it doesn't really matter. Um, you know, anyone can say anything they want to to me and they, they will, cause that's just life. Um, but it, it all depends on how I react to it and whatever I have within me. So if I already have like anger or, you know, aggression or hate within me and that's how my life I did, that's what's going to come out now like I put like you know a lot more good things and, and love and like caring and, and helping myself and my business owners out as well um so when people try to bug me or push my buttons I don't really have that reaction um so sorry if I went like a long time on the intro I kind of got a sidetrack oh no no hey, that's you, do your thing brother do your thing <laughs> but yeah man that's it like, blessed to be here um last month I was I think in, in Venice Beach I was talking to you uh, when we did your show last time I had just let go of the loft I had downtown LA. Um, that was like kind of a, a new identity, a, do, a new definition of success for me. My friends and my family's like, oh, Rock, you across the street from the Staples Center, you know, in a loft in downtown LA, you doing it, blah, blah. And I was like, you know, thankfully, you know, I'm proud. I, I worked my ass off to get here. But I started to attach too much to it. And mm-hmm. that was the house that I lived at with my ex-wife also. So the memories and the feeling and all the stuff in there, you know, from, from the relationship with like, you know, when you get with a girl and you have a house, you just putting things and just stuff the material stuff we don't need yeah anyway like right after before i talked to you i had just let go of all that you know gave it away to the homeless gave it away to friends and let go of that place and move into a hostel um and and just you know even when i talked to you it was maybe maybe a month maybe a, a month after i moved out i'm looking at about five or six months now and i was so scared and so worried about letting go of that spot for so many reasons i'm a convicted felon one so i was scared i wouldn't get another spot mm-hmm Two, like business was going good. I was scared I'd lose business. Three, like my family and friends, I was scared they wouldn't want to see me. And, and it was true. Like, you know, no one really wanted to come here, family and friend-wise, if I didn't have like a place for them to come to, which is, is reasonable. But I was scared to lose that as well. And, you know, everyone was telling me not to. So I just, you know, disconnected from everything. Once again, all my friends, and I was like, you know what? Let's make this decision, Rock. And six months later, man, if I could, 
I think that can really truly describe in words like the amount of blessings, the amount of business, the amount of love and energy just came to me since then. Like it's it's going to be a habit in my life now moving forward that the second I feel like overwhelmed with material stuff and that I'm chasing this car or that person or this thing um, to disconnect and, and let it go. And that, that's a, it's a really powerful thing. And I didn't even realize it because I've heard it before, you know, if you want to receive, just give, give, give. Um, it doesn't really make sense, like intuitively, uh, but it's a special, it's an energy thing. It's a heart connection. Um, and that universe really does provide when you just, you know, close your eyes, take a second, disconnect, reconnect to yourself, your, your source. Um, and then, you know, go out there and, and, and take that leap of faith. Yeah. Cause we, we definitely get attached to the things and the people that we have around us. And, and sometimes that, um, it's, it's just not good for us, but that comfort zone, you know, that you're in and, and, it's like, it, it is hard to let go. Cause I remember I had a similar experience. Um, that's how I ended up in uh, the Atlanta area was, you know, running the streets, doing this and that. And then it got to a point where it was like, my brother was like, look, you need to come up here and just leave all that behind. And uh -huh. I did it and everything changed for me, just letting go. And then I went through divorce too myself. And then, you know, that uncomfortable space of, you know, from the house and the, the wife and the kids and this and that. And then now it's like, now I'm out here, I'm by myself. Like, what do I, what do I have? But I had to take a second to step back and realize I had a lot, you know, even though I may have lost some material things, I didn't really lose the family because the kid is this still my kid, you know, she's still here. She's still around, but it just felt awkward. You know what I mean? Walking away from having to walk away from that. But at the end of the day, I'm thankful for it because of the growth that I had since that point. And, you know, I wouldn't, I don't feel I'd be where I'm in now if I had held on to that situation because it wasn't a good situation to be in. Man, now, go ahead. I'll just say, that's just so, it's so good to hear, man. Like, and honestly, I was, when I was going through my divorce, man, it was, I was in a, I was in a real, like I was in a bad spot. And I'm sure that people listening and people that, that would listen to this, you know, are, are going through the same thing. And, what what is so crazy is like while you're going through it, I had people tell me the same thing that rock, you know, when you get through it, you're gonna be grateful for the the, the what you learn. You're gonna you're not gonna have this hatred and this and that. You know, take your time, feel your pain, reconnect to yourself, you know, do you for a bit. Um, but it's so important, I think, that especially like the people that are in the midst of it. I mean, you just went through it as well, brother. I mean, whether it was easy or hard or was amicable, or you had, you know, all kind of assets and kids in between, um, at the very at the end of the day, it still kind of tears in your heart whether you're ready to get out of it or whether you, you know, didn't even want to get out of it, either way, it's still going to tear at your heart. So I think it's real important for like this right here, just me and you even talking about it. You know what I mean? Cause even, especially as men in our society is one of those mm -hmm. things like, Oh, you know, don't, don't say you're supposed to be strong, stand up. It's not supposed to hurt you. Just move on, get another girl type of thing. Even my family, my dad is like, man, let's stop it. I was, you know what I mean? When I was going through it, I was just like crying, like, man, I can't, I want her back. I, I don't know what to do. Everything is, is bad. I don't know. I'm, I want to die. And like, I was honestly like suicidal on drugs and everything. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, coming through that and going through it and finding a place of respect and alignment and love and peace within it was one of the toughest things like I've done. And I mean that knowing that, I mean, I went to prison and the near death and the boot camps, um, you know, that was one of the biggest things. So just hearing that from you, man, I appreciate that as well. Just hearing that. No problem, bro. 
Now, you said something. I know this wasn't supposed to be the topic of discussion today, but you said something that I just can't walk past. If you don't mind, if you do, say it. It's fine. How does one get their face ripped off? Oh, <laughs> so, yeah, of course, of course. Um, I, I kind of I have a habit of sometimes going through stories fast without putting the details in it. That's my bad. Um, <laughs> so, 2000, I believe it was 2000. 10 9 or 10 um i was on probation i was on house arrest electronic monitoring uh for my case which hadn't been you know, hadn't been convicted yet they were just keeping me on like pre-trial stuff um anyway i had a music class i had to go downtown to an opera and, and go like view an opera and take notes on it i went to do that and on the way back from the opera uh my girlfriend at the time and i like we stopped we're having a drink and we're heading back and um i was picked up and thrown into a concrete sidewalk and my entire face slid on the sidewalk and bit it so my entire jaw has had commutative fractures on both sides there's wires from the top of my jaw all the way to the bottom on both sides half my teeth were um totally lost forever they had to take bone out of my leg and out of my head and put it into my mouth just to give me my teeth back um you know i had over 10 15 major surgeries where i was you know put to sleep and you know some of them i even woke up in the middle of them the last surgery I had, one of the last surgeries I had, I was in prison actually. And I had been telling them that, you know, my mouth's hurt and it's bleeding. Even like other convicts were like, yo, you, your mouth smells, bro, what you doing? And I'm like, man, I know hygiene is important. I brush my mouth twice a day, like even three times sometimes, like I'm bleeding. There's nothing I can do and these folks won't help me. So finally some a metal piece of metal popped out of my mouth and they had to rush me to the hospital and do emergency surgery. And then when I got out of prison about six months later, finally my bone had healed enough and they... They put my teeth back on my mouth. And man, that was such a, I was so happy that day. Cause like for two years before that, I was just no teeth. My tongue was sliding all over the place. I was slobber. My voice got different. Matter of fact, to this day, my voice is a little bit different than it was a couple of years ago. I can tell people close to me, you know, might be able to tell, but, but yeah, man, um, I'm actually for that situation, just honestly, like just grateful to be here. Cause I should have, could have died very easily. And I could have been just disfigured for the rest of my life. Um, yeah. That's wild. I was yeah. like, I got to, I got to go back to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, just one of the one of the things that happened. Because I I remember we talked we talked about a lot of different things, uh, the uh, uh, stabbing and so on and so forth. But I didn't remember you telling me that you got your face ripped off. <laughs> I was like, hold up, backpedal. We got to backpedal a little bit. Yeah, man. I got I got I've almost lost an arm, a leg, a jaw. Fingers, uh, knuckles. <laughs> wow. I'm, I'm, I'm I'm blessed to be on one piece and able to like jog and run still. Blessing. Now, the last last time you were here, we focused on your your life. We focused on the the book. Did you finish the book you were writing? Man, I, I'm I'm sad to say I have not. I've gotten about halfway through it, and um, I started making a, a business class for for help. So I kind of I've actually finished that now. We just released it three days ago. Awesome. So I kind of put the book on hold for a while while I was making that one. Okay, but um, during that in during that interview, we never made it around to the hair. Let's talk about the hair. How did you get into selling hair? So hair made in India was actually born in that same Alabama state prison I was telling you about. Mm -hmm. Um, me and my bunkmate would just sit there and brainstorm business ideas and plans and we, we were like we knew we were locked up we both kind of wanted to get out and do big things so we're like you know let's start planning it now 
So when everyone else was doing, you know, whatever everybody does in prison, like whenever we had time, we'd sit there and write these business plans and brainstorm. And we had a, a cell phone. We snuck a, they snuck in a cell phone. And we'd call like his sister, his girl and people to find out about hair extensions on the market and what people don't like about them and what virgin and raw and 30 inch and 40 inch and, you know, this and that is. Yeah, that hair goes um, deep. Oh man, it goes so so deep. Uh, I was, uh, I'm still, I still get, learn new stuff every single day about the industry. It's crazy. Um, but but yeah, so we we made this one page business plan in there. And um, when I got out, like I told you earlier, I kind of dove back in the same lifestyle. I wasn't really thinking about business. I I was trying to just get my money up, you know, out there on the street doing whatever I could do, um, and not to do anything with it. I was still kind of off track. I just wanted to spend it again. I just wanted to have fun and enjoy life the same way I did before I got locked up. Until my dad said leave and, and you know asked me, you know, do you want to leave? And um, I decided to. And when I was in India, after about a month of like living clean, letting go of like the smoking, the, the pills and the alcohol and the parties and different girls every night and just really being solo, living on a farm, you know, doing farm work for about a month or so. I started to get to a place where I'm like, you know what, I, I can, I should do something else with my life. You know what I mean? I shouldn't just fly back down to Mobile and, and get back with my people. Everybody's waiting on me to party and this and that. I should. I shouldn't do that. I should do something different. Let me try something else. So I tried a bunch of stuff until um, the business plan came in front of me. And I made one Facebook post. And all my little homegirls from high school were like, yo, Rock, you got hair. Like, hit us up, hit us up. And that was it. I, from that day, I didn't look back uh, until right now. I haven't looked back at all. I started visiting factories, manufacturers, vendors. I started learning about hair. I started going to the temples. I rented a car. I bought a place out there and just really dove into the industry. Um, and then made a large purchase of, you know, really long raw hair, came back to the States uh, with my new wife at the time and, you know, got it started. In the beginning, I was just trade shows, calling people on Google, going to people's houses, going to Starbucks to meet people, hotels to meet people, going to their salons, uh, just hustle, hustle, hustle. Yeah, I, um, saw and where, tennis. I saw where you posted that you at one point was riding around on a scooter delivering the hair. Yep, I was on a little scooter because downtown L.A. is so much traffic. Um, you get stuck in traffic trying to move around. You got to pay for parking. You can't find a spot. So I got one of those little scooters and I just started putting it on a scooter and bring it to the post office, bring it to uh, my girls nearby that, you know, sewed the hair up for me and made wigs for me, clients nearby, just whatever I could do to make it work. You know, I've, I've kind of always been like, I'm the kid that would have his lemonade stand and have a, a yard cutting company. And then my yeah. dad would buy me a go-kart and I would change that go-kart into a buggy to carry all my yard cutting stuff so I could cut more yards. Yes, I was about to say you you just from the you, the story that you've told me, you've already had always had that hustler mentality. So oh it's it's easy. I don't want to say easy because I don't want to oversimplify the thing, but it's easy for someone who's already into sales to get into selling something else because it's pretty much it's pretty much the same. You have to get out. You have to find that clientele. You have to talk to people. You have to convince people that your product is what you say it is and so on and so forth. So that part I, I get. I was like, yeah, you know, to make that transition, different product, kind of the same grind though. But it was just the hair was what got me was like, but and that's like a billion dollar, multi-billion dollar industry right there. But I don't. I don't know if too many people that are actually doing it though. It's it's funny. You know how it is, man. Like when you get into a certain industry, like say like um 
you never you never seen a, a a Subaru four wheel drive or something before, and all of a sudden your sister buys one, yeah. you'll start to see a Subaru like everywhere. Oh my god, there's a Subaru there, there's a Subaru there everywhere. All of a sudden, yeah, it's kind of like that. I've been realizing with most industries, like with hair, I didn't you know notice it was too many people in it and doing it. Now, like when I look around, even when I'm not in my business like circles, I'm like wow, everybody's kind of doing something like along the beauty or the hair industry or actually jumping straight into the hair industry. So it's a, uh, it's crazy, man. Um, you're right. hundred percent. Like when you, when you know how to sell product, I, I truly believe this, that there's, there can't, you can kind of become a quote unquote salesperson. But in my opinion, the real best ones and the real ones that really are sales are kind of born with it in a certain sense, at least a little bit of it. And I say that times 10 for all my people out there that, that hustle that, that that are working with illicit or illegal, illegal substances, that's the framework right there. It sounds so crazy to say, and I've been in so much trouble and had so much that I've went through because of those choices. But at the end of the day, where I am now, looking back, like um, I've learned so much and so much that I have been kind of doing and learning uh, from my past life translates very easily to this, you know, sales sales based industry that I'm in now. Yeah. So it's, it's a really big correlation probably like negotiations and things like that because i always say there there's the difference there's a difference between a hustler and a drug dealer exactly just sells drugs and drugs pretty much will sell their self if you're in the right environment but a hustler can sell you anything it doesn't matter if it's pencils apples oranges hair a hustler can sell you anything because like you said he has that that intuition of like i've been places where i've had someone walk up to me and try to sell me something and they're like i remember one guy specific he's like you look like you need and i was like you know what i am looking for that you know what i mean it was like he picked me out and that could just be his sale pitch to everybody but I feel like it was kind of a um like he knew like he 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 saw the you know what I mean the the kind of person I was and and figured I'd be interested in what he was selling and he was just like you look like you could use this it's like yeah I I can't you got it that that sales mentality that cuz I'm not good at selling things because I'm in the mind frame of like either you want it or you don't you know what I mean and then when it comes to, I don't like ne- really negotiating, going back and forth on prices and things. So I'll probably short myself because they'll say, "We, I want 800 for this. And I'll be like, all right, here you go. Boom. Give it to me. Because I don't feel like I don't want to do put the energy into trying to get the better deal. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I know exactly what you mean. Man, it's funny you say that because I remember like when I first started going to India a lot. So haggling is a big thing in India. And like, that means like, you got to get the price down. And if you ever met an Indian person or Indian businessman, you'll know that no matter how much money they have, they're going to try to be cheap and try to cut the corners and and, and not spend it. Unless it's a wedding or something like that. But yeah, that's actually, that's actually very smart. I, and I've implemented that into my life. Like the way I use my life, like, you know, like I don't, I might be making whatever I'm making, but you know, if I have a credit card charge for five bucks that I'm supposed to get back and they don't call me back, you best believe I'm putting a calendar reminder on my calendar for five days later to call AT&T and make sure I got the $5 back. Not because like, Oh my God, I need $5, but five bucks is five bucks. And if you have a mentality of like, 
oh, like, you know, whatever. Like, like I used to like, oh, the money, like, I don't want to ask for it. Then it kind of like, it kind of translates to other things. So for India, I used to be really bad at like asking people like to, for a lower price and getting it down. And so I started doing more and more business. And I'm, I'm realizing like, if I don't, if I don't learn to do this better, I'm going to get, I'm going to get kind of shot at in every corner, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to be losing everywhere. Yeah. Um, and, and eventually I kind of learned my own style, man. Like, and that's what I think at the end of the day, like business sales, all this and that is literally just talking and, and, and communication and vibing with the person, you know, and, and once you have that established, like at the end of the day, after that, it's just, you know, a trade of value and you're trading one thing of value for another thing of value or, or a currency. Okay. So, what was what was like the biggest hurdle that you ran into getting into the hair business? Man, myself. Yeah. I've always been I've always been my biggest, you know, I mean, issue. I've always once I once I can get myself out of the way, I can do amazing things. And I'm not saying that I've like learned how to do that completely and totally and done it. Um, I've gotten better with it, but I still have times, you know, when I guess like I kinda I kinda I realize I'm stopping myself and I have to do the same thing I did before, man, and just kinda get away from everybody and everything and just slow back down and, and kind of study myself, get a little bit introspective and, and see what's going on internally. Okay. Now, do you, with selling hair, are you like, are you selling more to the like hairdressers or to people, you know, individuals type of thing? Um, so my business is, is roughly 85% B2B wholesale. Um, and, and just a little, little bit of like, you know, retail and, and around the area kind of local sales. Okay. Okay. And you said you actually, you make, you make wigs too? I don't actually make them, but at the fact where we do make them and we do sell them wholesale as well. Wigs, front lace wigs, full lace wigs. We have everything from keratin tips to tape-ins to clip-ins to, you know, ombre, 613 colors, version hair, raw hair. The only kind of processing hair that we have is steamed hair. We don't use chemicals in our processing. Um, you know, accessories. The only thing I don't do with hair really is synthetic hair. Well, we might well have been speaking Urdu <laughs> to, <laughs> to me. I was like, what? But I, I, I guarantee, I know that the listeners out there who are into hair, you know what he's talking about. So, with what's the difference? I'm curious. Between like a good hair and a bad hair, as far as with the with the weaves, and that gets so deep. To be real, I could get I could get so deep with you on this that you'd be thinking I was speaking like ten different languages to you. Because I no. hear the because I hear the ladies a lot of times be like, yeah, she got that cheap weave, she got that, and I'm like, what's the di- I don't know the difference. Well, for, from from jump, like the first thing is like, so if you're spending like, if you're not spending a certain like X amount on, on the hair, like you're most likely not getting a quality because people think that it's just like another product. Oh, there they'll charge whatever for it. But in the hair extension industry, it's a product that is not always available. It's a human product and it's not regulated. Um, so there's only certain amounts of like really really good hair out there. Uh, at the end of the day, it really really ends up on who you're buying it from and how well you know them to know if you're gonna get good hair or not. I mean, even for me, and I, and I mean, you won't hear many business owners say this, but I can admit very readily that, yeah, every once in a while, I might have a bundle or two here and there in my hair that might not be as good a quality. Um, and that, when when it comes to that, that's when it makes or breaks a hair business. Uh, for me, I return, refund, exchange, pretty much everything, whenever my clients need it, whether it's going to cost them money or hurt me or not a little bit, um, because I understand my product and I understand my clients very well. 
Um, I understand the product, the fact that, you know, I, no matter what I do, I can't make every piece perfect. Mm-hmm. I understand my clients all have different wants and needs, and I'm here to basically serve them and make sure that, you know, they get what they need. Um, so at the end of the day, I work with the highest quality hair extension there is, and there is, you know, problems in that sometimes still. Um, so you have to just know who you're working with, you know, who your supply chain is the games that manufacturers can play from switching the hair to, to stripping it, to switching, uh, you know, bundles, to switching qualities, to mixing the hair, to getting lazy on wefting, to getting lazy on stitching, to, you know, having their labor actually go underneath them and, and go around their back and, and, and pull some hair and switch it, um, to customs shipping it or to someone in the States here, you know, doing something. There's just so many places things can go wrong that it really comes down to a stand-up business owner that's transparent and willing to put himself out there and handle business as it happens. You know, the, the more and more you're explaining this here, it's sounding more and more like cocaine. <laughs> Telling you, bro, in the beginning, I used to tell folks, I was like, look, you know how you got Reggie and Dro and indoor and outdoor? We got the same thing on there. Yeah, because what you just described, it's the same. Like, if, you, we, if you're, deal, especially if you're dealing with, like, from the wholesale side, what I've heard, allegedly, <laughs> that, you know, you get, you're getting it from somewhere else normally not in yeah. the states maybe mexico maybe columbia wherever you're getting this from and like you said you made the the originator he may have gave you straight pure yep. but then you, it gets into somebody else's hands and they decide well i'm gonna take this and recut it and repackage it and boom 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 and now i'm gonna <laughs> give them this i'm gonna exactly. take this out and i'm gonna add this to it and i'm and then the further you get down that line to the um you may not you may end up with something you don't know what you got but it's not what you what it what it started is it's not what the guy sent you is what you end up with exactly exactly that's just that's exactly how it is bro it's 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 so wild so wild so with the hair i've heard things like these the hair comes from like uh buddhists that cut their hair off for rituals and stuff like where does the hair actually come from so the hair in India, India is one of the only uh, cultures in the world that actually have a practice of shaving their head for, you know, for religious purposes and offering it as a donation to God. It's called hair tonsuring. Mm. Um, and India has, you know, temples, thousands of temples where a couple hundred thousand people a day come there and visit to, to cut their hair and offer it to God. Wow. I never knew. And that's where we get all of our hair from. <laughs> Wow, so they just they they donate it and they package it and boom, ship it out, make the sales, and that's how the hair get, actually gets here. Exactly. So, okay, this is interesting to me. So, can you, like, you know, there's certain people, if we don't, because we're kind of flipping back and forth between two different uh, uh, genres. Like how some people say, I can look at, let's say, for just for the sake of conversation, weed. I can look at this and tell whether it's good or not. Have you reached that point yet where you can look at the hair and be like, yeah, this is that pure? So it's the same thing with weed. Like I, I saw, I, I messed with weed my entire life. Like, and my, nine times out of 10, like if you smoke a lot of weed, you deal with a lot of weed, you can look at somebody and you can pretty much tell it's good or it's bad, it's crystals, it's lighter, it's dark, whatever. It's kind of the same thing with hair. Nine times out of 10, I can look at a piece and straight up, I have indicators and things. I know that it's, it's a good piece, it's a bad piece. 
But at the end of the day, um, it's, this is so funny because when I used to smoke and I used to be like, okay, like, can I smoke on with you? Can I test it out real quick if I'm, if I'm about to buy a pee or whatever? Like, let me, let me, let me, let me smoke a blunt. You know, you want to test it. With the hair, it's the same thing. If you really want to know what it's about, you're going to have to go ahead and put it in, color it, do some stuff to it. And then you'll know, like, you do have that piece or not, you know? So it's, it's like, for to answer your question, like, yeah, I can, I know when hair is good or bad, but on the same hand, I can be wrong as well. And I admit that um, it's just it's, it's not something we can see with the naked eye of what is actually going on. And if you look at it, even like these days, there's things called spice and, and rabbit grass. You know, people people that have smoked forever have gotten confused about things like that. Yeah. <laughs> these days in the hair industry is, is no different. Wow. Wow. Now, what, what was the I had a question and I lost it just that quick. Your turn here. OK. <laughs> Do you ever, and this is just me being petty, if you, uh, to the point, like, like, see me, um, I'm in, I'm into firearms. I'm in the guns. Okay. So, sometimes I'm out and about, like, I just took my nephew to the gun range for the first time ever. And, you know, taught him about gun safety and taught him how to handle a firearm and, you know, teaching him the, the respect that they should, that he should have for the firearm and for firearm usages but sometimes i'm out and about and i'm i just see people and i'm like he's got a gun well how you know we see the way that shirt he's wearing that shirt that's a concealment shirt or this guy's he's got a he's got something in his car because this he's got the sticker on his car got a rifle sticker on the car it's probably got a gun in the car stuff like that so i was just wondering do you ever are you ever just out and about and going about your day and looking at people's hair and like, oh, that's a good, that's a good weave right there. Oh, that's man, a crappy weave. Can you turn it off? <laughs> man, I can't, I can't turn it off anymore now when I'm out and about. Every, every guy, I used to be, because I love eyes, right? Eyes like the windows of the soul. I love beautiful eyes, especially I love making eye contact. And now, like, it's automatic. When I see a girl first, the first thing I notice is the hair. And, like, I, I've even had to say something a couple of times, like, yo, you have, like, your hair is amazing. Like, and. You know, obviously you said to a random girl, you don't think you're hitting on them. And I have to kind of get in conversation, but like, no, nah, I'm for real. Like, I work with hair. Like, your hair is, yeah. is fire. You know what I mean? I'm like, even my girlfriend sometimes is like, why, why are you staring? So I'm not staring. I'm looking at her hair. She has really good hair. I wish I could have that. You know, I mean, that's the kind of style that we need type of thing. But yeah, it's hard to turn off, man. Like, because I'm, I'm infused in this industry, man. I, I love what I do. I love the fact that I can, I can do it better than most people and help most people while I'm doing it and really bring like a, a light, like real transparent side of the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's not something that's like a, a stressor on me to not turn off. It's just kind of naturally within me now, you know, like when I was, when I was hustling, like, and I was, I was moving products and stuff like that. It was the same thing. Whatever product I had, like I would just, I would naturally just find those people and I could recognize it immediately. I guess you kind of said it's one of those like natural born type of sales traits when you just kind of just know, like the energy kind of just leads. Okay. You know, this person wants to want, might want your product and you kind of just go, Go talk to them. Yeah, because even even people that are in the shoes, they walk around looking at people's shoes. Exactly, uh, exactly. I've, me and my me and my brothers was in a club one night, and I don't know if you know, but in Atlanta for a long time, the knockoff shoe industry was booming. You could go down to the discount mall, get you some J's for like fifty bucks. They weren't gonna last you long. They were gonna yep. fall apart. You probably get one <laughs> or two wears out of them, and then it's over with for those guys. But he it got some, I don't remember what, I think they were like King Griffey's or something. I don't know. But it was a pop one of the popular shoes at the time. And we're out in the club 
and the girl walks by and she's checking him out and she looks down at his shoes and she was like, almost. And we like to die laughing in there. <laughs> it hurt him, it hurt him to his heart too. Cause he I was bet. like, call me out like that. She was, she just looked at the shoes like almost. Oh my God. That's yeah. <laughs> that's not it. You try. <laughs> oh, that would that would not be a fashion, like a world star moment right there, almost. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then think we we're in the club. The lighting ain't good, none of that. But she so, still spotted those bootleg sneakers on <laughs> and quickly. And I was like, bro, you can't, it doesn't, it, it, it does, you can't pull that off if uh, around people who are into shoes. They know true. what they're looking for. So I'm guessing that's the same with the hair. You know what you're looking for versus a layman like me who, to me, it's just hair. It's a, I couldn't tell you one from the Just like you said, like the indicator to the gun, right? That might be a concealed shirt. That might be a, a sticker for a rifle in a car. Like, it's the same thing with hair. Like, you can tell small things. Like, someone might be wearing a style. And it, it sounds almost judgmental, but, I mean, it's not. It's just, like, it is what it is kind of thing. Like, some people wear it. Some people don't wear it. And, honestly, these days, man, men, women, uh, black, white, Indian, Asian, they all buy hair. I have Chinese girls. I have Indian girls. Yeah. I got Spanish girls. I got all kind of girls about here and wearing here and guys. Hey, look, I thought about getting uh, a man weave <laughs> myself. I was <laughs> me and my daughter was kicking it one night. I'm playing playing the game. I'm sitting in my gaming chair. She's behind me and she starts touching the top of my head. I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, nothing. Just looking at your hair. I said, what am I going bald? She's like, no, nah, but this is just it's a little thin right here and right here. I was like, man, I might have to go get a man weave come through with the 360 waves on these. <laughs> no shame in my game. <laughs> I got you. You better holler at me whenever you're ready. <laughs> yeah, hey, thankfully, thankfully, it's not that it's not to that point yet. It's just uh um she was just being extra. But <laughs> you know, it is it, I'm getting up there, it is a little thinner than it was before, but I'm not to that point yet. But if I do get to that point, I'm definitely gonna hit you up, Rocky. I want that man weave. The 360. I, I got I, you. I actually got the hashtag, man. We on my website too. I got show show me on there. Cause I had a little spot on the back of my head myself. Hey, it happens, man, with age, man. But um, cause yeah, and then back to the hair. I like I've heard different people, like celebrities and stuff, saying that they got pieces, meaning like hair pieces, um, I guess weaves is what you call them, weaves, hairpiece. I don't know, you know, the technical term for it. But that, like, some of these are like go for thousands of dollars. Like that—that's wild to me. Oh yeah, upwards of two thousand, three thousand dollars sometimes for like a really custom, handmade type of wig. Yeah. Um, I mean, some of the celebrity styles. I know girls that have paid upwards of ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars to have like high quality hair, and then a celebrity stylist put it in. Yes, I, I I heard like Beyonce's wigs, Paris is crazy. Yeah, crazy, crazy. Yeah, man. But um, so you uh, you spoke of the um the factory. Like, do you have your own factory where you're processing the the hair and making the wigs? You know, not yourself, not you making them, but you have a, your own factory where you do that type of work. Yep. So there's like three or four of us. Uh, three of us now actually. The share expenses and share rent and share uh, sourcing. Um, it's a factory in Northeast India, kind of uh, a little bit outside of Delhi, but that's where I'm invested in for all my sourcing. Nice, man. See, you, you, 
you're getting in. You're doing some big things out here, man. Well, you're humble about it, but you're doing some big things out here, brother. I see you and I salute you. Thank you, my brother. Thank you, sister. It's a constant journey, man. Like I said, I don't really have an end goal. Like, I don't need a billion dollars or anything like that or a car or a house. I just, I'm enjoying doing what I'm doing, man. Living life and doing business and meeting people. It's my my main worker at the store. It's her birthday today, so I'm actually headed out right now Um, whenever we get off the call to, to head to her birthday and, and enjoy time with the Hair Made India family. Okay. I was just about to say, I know you're moving and you got a lot of things going on, so I don't want to hold you too long. Is there any, anything else you want to put out there before we uh, wrap this up? Man, anything um, you want to promote? Anything? <laughs> Tell them where, you, where they can find you, your website, your IGs and all that. For sure, for sure. Uh, first of all, I'd say, man, big shout out to you, my brother, DeVille D- Dia. It's a pleasure coming on your show. I love talking with you. Uh, for me personally, if you want to find me, anything I'm doing as far as business or personal life, any of my blogs or past episodes, uh, you can go to RockyCandola.com. That's R-O-C-K-Y-K-A-N-D-O-L-A.com. That's my name. Uh, if you're looking to get into the hair business or find anything about sourcing, supplying, uh, check out my website. It's HairMaidenIndia.com. That's maiden spelled like your mother's maiden name. M-A-I-D-E-N, India.com. And like I was telling you earlier, we just came out with a brand new hair business guide. This is directly for the people. Anyone out there struggling, anyone out there is going through their business or just getting started. I put together a lot of videos, a lot of literature, took a lot of time and made a proper class. You guys can actually get some real help in this industry because no one else wants to help. And that website is www.hairbusinessguide.com. Once again, my name is Rocky DeVille, man. Thank you so much once again for having me on here with you, brother. No problem, man. I appreciate you taking time out today to talk to me because you could have been doing anything in the world today, but you took the time out to speak to me, and I appreciate it. You as well, my brother. You as well. And to the listeners, as always, I love and appreciate each and every last one of y'all. Make sure y'all stay tuned to Thoughts by DeVille. Yeah, check out my boy Rocky, that hair business. Hey, look, he just told you where it was at, man. He told you where it's at. What you doing? What you waiting for? You know you want in. You know you want in. How did you hear this? You don't want in. Hit him up. We'll holler at y'all. Y'all have a great day.